you know, retaining top talent really starts even before they walk in the door. Uh, and so even in interviews with candidates, I think it's important to stress not just what the job is that you're hiring for, but what a career pathway can look like. So we've done a lot of work internally on finding those career pathways and, and doing interviews to understand, you know, a company president, how did they get there, right? What were the six jobs they had before that? Or for a senior solution architect, you know, what were the critical experiences they had and how can we create a career pathway to ensure uh, that over the next next 10, 15, 20 years, we're ensuring the top talent gets those experiences so that they're positioned to be successful and that we're positioned to be successful. Welcome to Security Cleared Jobs, Who's Hiring and How, the podcast for cleared professionals looking for new opportunities and career advice. We go behind the scenes with recruiters and hiring managers from leading cleared employers to uncover the information you need to make a smart career move. Get ready for insights from this week's guest and your hosts, Kathleen Smith and Rachel Bozeman. Hello, listeners. It is just Kathleen today, and we hope you got a chance to relax over our long Labor Day weekend. I'm flying solo because my co-host, Rachel, is, don't worry, she's okay. She's just taking care of some business at home. So today, our guest is David Reynolds, Vice President and Deputy General Manager of the Intelligent Solutions Division of BAE. Now, David, Tell us a little bit about your journey. I hear you had a really interesting beginning in New York to become an actor right after high school. I haven't heard this story. (laughs) It was, I guess, a little atypical in terms of the background. But yeah, I went to school uh, on a theater scholarship uh, and sort of loved that, had a passion for that, left school with uh, the agent and did the normal path of heading to New York and all that good stuff. And as it turns out, I'm not a better businessman than I am an actor. So I eventually uh, decided that was not my path. I was an intern uh, at CIA through all of my college years. Both my parents were at CIA. Uh, so I had a clearance through some of that activity. Uh, and I had a double major in psychology. So I joined BA Systems as an intelligence analyst doing psychological profiling of foreign leaders and did that for a number of years and had a relatively traditional career path, I think, from there. Uh, doing individual contributors, and then some program management, portfolio management. Uh, I led some divisions in strategy and mergers and acquisitions and have ended up back over here in the intelligence solutions segment uh, about three years ago. Sounds very Jack Ryan to me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't watch many movies, but that that was one that popped into my head when you said that. So BAE is a very large company, has a number of divisions. You sit in the intelligent solutions business area, which is why we're talking today. So can you explain that role within the company? Sure. Yeah. BAE is like so many of the the major uh, defense contractors out there. It's a big big organization. Uh, so we are headquartered over in the UK. In the US side, uh, a lot of the work we do is dealing with platforms, You know, building and manufacturing stuff. Um, my business is in the services part of BAE Systems. And as the, the name might imply, most of the work we do is with the intelligence community. Uh, so we are doing a, a wide variety of activities, whether that is IT, high performance computing, cyber, data science, analytics, So all of that in both the Intel space, as well as some unclassified federal civilian customers. Awesome. So you just sort of answered my next question, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to dive down a little bit more. So sort of what are the types of positions sort of in a broad stroke way that you are hiring for? And are they all located here or do you have hubs throughout the country? 
So we are fortunate enough that I think our, our role in the intelligence community is, has been large. It's really how the company grew up uh, in terms of the services side of the business. Um, and so really, the, we run the gamut of capabilities. Uh, so as we speak, I was just looking on our, our website. We've got more than 200 openings for cleared staff. Um, and that is covering everything from elements of high performance computing, as I said. Uh, right now, there's a lot of software development work uh, in the classified space that is getting a lot of activity. And probably cyber is the third where you're seeing a real demand uh, grow across a couple of different uh, classified customer sets. Um, and certainly one of the things we are, as you might expect, as part of the Intel community, uh, we work a lot in the D.C. metro area, whether that is Maryland or D.C. or Virginia. Uh, but we have seen uh, the intelligence community rely more on government uh, classified space or sorry, in contractor classified space. Um, so we are hiring for a lot of positions that is now outside of the D.C. area. Uh, and that includes uh, a large footprint in, in Utah. Uh, it includes a large footprint in Georgia and St. Louis. Um, and we're also seeing a more openness to the intelligence community do some work on classified and figure out ways to be more geographically dispersed and pull from a broader uh, set of uh, recruiting pools. Yes, that's definitely been part of the conversation post-COVID, you know, that we moved into different locales. Uh, I know that we were asked to do surveys about where employers wanted to hire and where talent wanted to be. So another big question that happened after COVID is remote and hybrid remote. So. Yeah. How is BAE addressing this across various different uh, mission support? Yeah, that's been a really interesting question, I think, post-COVID and, and that change, particularly in the intelligence community. If sort of in the midst of COVID and shortly after, the number one question I would be asked from candidates is, is this remote? Is there a hybrid possibility for this? And we were seeing people willing to walk away from their clearances uh, for the first time, right? Any salary premium that might come with that uh, because they really were valuing uh, the ability to be remote. Uh, I think certainly as a company, we've responded to that. Uh, I think the government has as well. So I think two spaces we're seeing a big push for that remote activity within the classified space is in software development. Um, so we are seeing uh, sort of a hub and spoke model for software development where there may be teams uh, doing unclassified software development anywhere across the country in sort of a cloud unclassified environment. And then they send that on to a centralized team located in a government facility who loads that into the high side uh, to actually finish and sort of bring that to the mission. Um, and that has it started out as pilots, but we're seeing more and more uh, willingness to look at that from a variety of customers. Uh, and then I think the other is uh, with the expansion of open source intelligence and, and how that is driving some activity within the intelligence community. Um, we're seeing a lot more openness to that type of work. So whether that is building open source intelligence platforms, uh, whether it is doing the open source analysis itself, we are seeing a lot more of those types of jobs uh, be open to remote and, and hybrid work. That's awesome, because I've really enjoyed our conversations over the last year and a half that we've been running the podcast about how every single employer, even if they're you know mission supporting or intelligence community focused, that they're really working with their customer to come up with different solutions on on how to solve this problem because we we want to support the talent and the talent has really told us that we we need to you know come up with different work solutions. So. Do you have a greatest hiring need, one that you're like, oh, 
oh yes, we got this. And we all high five. Do you, you know, is there somebody that's like really, gosh, that's the really great one that we got. Yeah. Uh, I, I think a couple of examples, one, and it's, uh, they are all unicorns when we find them, but f- classified full stack developers are, are really hard to come by. Uh, so anytime we're able to secure one of those, that is a, a major celebration and a major victory. Um, I think the other area we're seeing is uh, the classified cyber engineers. Um, I think m- more and more classified agencies are having a role in the cyber domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're also seeing such demand for cyber talent outside of the intelligence community that that just the competition to go secure that talent is so high right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every time you, you're able to get one, you certainly feel very, very successful. Yes, yes. So in our pre-call, you kept using a phrase that we thought was very impactful, was that you're hiring people for careers, not jobs. So talk to us about how you and the rest of the BAE team attract top talent. Yeah, I, I think, you know, retaining top talent really starts even before they walk in the door. Uh, and so even in interviews with candidates, I think it's important to stress not just what the job is that you're hiring for, but what a career pathway can look like. So we've done a lot of work internally on finding those career pathways and, and doing interviews to understand, you know, a company president, how did they get there, right? What were the six jobs they had before that? Or for a senior solution architect, you know, what were the critical experiences they had and how can we create a career pathway to ensure uh, that over the next 10, 15, 20 years, we're ensuring the top talent gets those experiences so that they're positioned to be successful and that we're positioned to be successful. Uh, and I think that's a, a growing responsibility for, for hirers uh, you know, everywhere. Um, you know, the other thing I think we are focused a lot on is trying to find uh, you know, diversity of opportunities. Um, and mergers and acquisition has certainly played a role in that. Uh, we've been focused on the modeling and simulation space. And so in the past year, we've bought uh, what was historically a video game company uh, doing largely commercial product, commercial sales. But that team is now doing a lot more activity supporting government modeling simulation solutions. But it also provides a whole new career pathway for people, right, that maybe they want to experience what that more gamified environment is like and and what how does that workflow develop and and how does that differ from potentially a full stack developer doing, you know, uh, work in, in, in a skiff. Um, so having that breadth of opportunity and, and allowing talent to move across and get some of those experiences, I think, is the most critical part of keeping people for not just a job, but, but for a career. And I really love this. I think this is also something else that we're seeing has come after COVID that people are stressed. People have challenges, but they also want to support mission systems. They want to support the mission. Yeah. And it's really hard to develop your career map. And I've really appreciated talent acquisition teams stepping forward and saying, that's part of my job as well. So, you know, I'm just putting that plug in to always talk to your recruiter, your talent acquisition professional about a career path, not just a button a seat. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the company culture. What kind of cleared professional is really going to thrive at BAE? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned you know mission first, and certainly I think that's that's critical, um, and I think that's so core to what so many folks who are working in the intelligence community and, and the DoD right have uh, first and foremost is is that dedication to mission, uh, and given some of the activity we're seeing, uh, whether that is Ukraine or other global conflict, I think that's getting more and more attention in terms of the importance of that mission. So. 
uh, certainly first and foremost, that comes to mind. You know, the second thing that comes to mind is advice that some of my early mentors gave to me within the company, uh, which was the people who thrive here are those who, you know, when they see a fire, uh, they run towards that fire. They don't run away from it. Right. And the, the advice that they sort of gave me was that, you know, you really are best served by finding the thing that is most broken in the organization and then stepping up to be the person that fixes it. Right. And, and often when you're doing that, it's OK if you don't get 100 percent of the way there. Maybe you only find 50 percent of the answer, but you've moved the ball forward a little bit and, and you've proven to to leadership that it's something, you know, you want to you want a big challenge. Right. And you want to be a part of the team who is facing and dealing with those really big challenges. Uh, and that sends a message that is so important uh, in terms of your career pathways and, and growth. Awesome. Awesome. So clearjobs.net is a veteran-owned firm. So we always ask a veteran's question. So how is BAE supporting transitioning military folks as they create their careers? Yeah. I mean, BAE historically is first and foremost a DOD-oriented company. So we have been on the top list for hiring veterans for, for the entirety of our, our existence. And that dates back you know, all the way to the Revolutionary War, if you, if you trace that back far enough. So one of the ways I think the transition that is so critical uh, is finding the networks within the company. So fortunately, within, the, within BA Systems, we have such a large network of veterans, uh, and they run an employee resource group uh, that really is focused on veterans' transitions. Uh, and even veterans issues dealing with uh, whether they've retired or how they've, they've sort of separated from the military. Uh, but a network of folks who ha- were a part of that mission, still believe in that mission, are dealing with the same challenges internal to the company about just understanding what, how do I fit in a corporate culture? Uh, and then also, how do I stay close to that mission that I love so well? Uh, and those employee, employee resource groups have been a, a real benefit for us. Uh, we probably, I think we have eight of them now set up for different employee groups. The veteran uh, employee resource group is one of the most attended and most populated uh, and really, really active within the community, within the company. And I think that that's really great advice that I don't think many of our transitioning military personnel don't understand is networking, that they really need to network with their former colleagues within the military and finding out where they went to go work and, you know, ask them the questions. Do you like working where you work? Do they treat you well? Mm -hmm. And, And start networking with them because lo and behold, we all know referrals are one of the number one ways that companies hire people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think it's important when you're interviewing to ask questions as well about the leadership makeup of the company and are veterans represented there? Are there success stories of people who came in uh, into the organization and moved their way up and demonstrated that you can be successful in this culture uh, coming out of the military? Awesome. So I understand you have some advice for cleared professionals about having a long-term strategic vision for their career and their job search. Do you want to share that advice with our listeners? Well, one of the things I know I've, I've talked about with folks is, you know, thinking about a career as a ladder uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. Uh, and it's so much about experiences and, and getting the critical experiences to, to understand the challenges you're going to face in the future. Uh, and so a career pathway can't be viewed vertically. It has to have horizontal elements. Uh, and some of the best roles I ever took in my career were not promotions. They were lateral moves. But they moved me into a different silo of the organization, into a different mission set that I didn't understand. And it was only through that experience that I was then able to eventually move vertically up the ladder. It was because of the horizontal movement, uh, not because of striving to, to move vertically. And looking to gain, uh, as we talk about career pathways, I think it's important to think about that as in terms of critical experiences. 
um, you know, and talk to senior leaders about what were the critical experiences that allowed them to be successful in their roles, and then seek out those horizontal movements and vertical movements to, to figure out how you can have those experiences as well. Yes, I always talk about it as your jungle gym. You know, it's not necessarily the, as you said, the vertical, it is the lateral. It's um, the more challenging environments you can be in. You can hone your leadership skills. You can hone your your soft skills. And that's why I always say also volunteer in the community. Many of our hacker communities have, you know, car villages where I hack in and we actually have a space village where people hack. So learning that networking, learning challenges outside the of the structure are ways that you can really hone your skills. So reaching back to the beginning of our conversation and talking about your psychological profiling training Mm. and experience, what advice do you have for our job seekers on how they can be more successful? Uh, It's such a different world in terms of what's available uh, from a psychological profiling perspective. And I think that can sound like a nefarious term, but it's really just about knowing your audience. Uh, And when you're going in for a job, it is very easy to figure out, you know, who is likely to be on that panel, who is the person I'm interviewing with. Uh, Some of this is just basic due diligence in terms of looking at company websites and understanding important programs. But much more often, it's about looking at social media at this point and understanding what are the speeches that people have given? What are the published articles? What things are they liking? Uh, and as you can find it, it's, it's great to figure out what people's actual social interests are as well. And to see, one, if that's something that may make a connection for you, uh, that speaks to you from a cultural perspective, that this is a place or a person I want to work with. Uh, but also gives you the ability to then network a, a bit more effectively and ask more more intelligent questions that you know are going to get people smiling and nodding heads uh, because you're resonating in a in a way. So now that you've sold us on BAE, how can our cleared professional audience follow up with you and your team? Yeah, I think the website is the best way to do it. So jobs.baesystems.com. Uh, And within that uh, website, you can search by clearance level. Uh, So uh, certainly there are a bunch of cleared openings within my business, uh, but within the broader business as well. Uh, We have cleared jobs throughout the country, uh, and it's an easy way to get a good look at all of them at once. David, I've really enjoyed our conversation. You had some really great insights. So thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed David's perspective on how people should be looking at their job search from a experience gathering base rather than how do I just move up the ladder. So really looking at your long-term career as gaining experiences and challenges rather than just going to the next position that gets you more money or better title. So another great episode is now in the can, dear listeners. Please remember to follow our show and join us again next week.